Welcome to the Kings of Sport, the program, changing the game one show at a time, a.k.a. the world's most dangerous sports show, a.k.a. iTunes' longest-running weekly episodic program produced and hosted by two or more African-Americans who are not affiliated with a major network. What's going on, party people? I am your host, the Godfather, Nate Milton, and we have got a really fun show. For y'all today, we're going to talk some NBA Finals, of course, and we're going to get into uh, the, the the wild, wacky world of professional wrestling as we are wont to do around these parts. So we got a jam-packed program for y'all this week. But before we get into all of that, for those of you that listened to the last episode or those of you that are watching live right now, you might notice something just a little, little bit different about the Kings this week. And that's the fact that there are no kings, plural. There is a singular king. And that's myself, because Marcus Vandenberg, for those that listened last time, he has gone on an indefinite hiatus, I guess we'll put it, uh, for the Kings of Sport, because he has accepted a new position. And I feel like I can say this because Marcus put this out on Twitter on Monday. Marcus is now officially a part of the mothership. He has accepted a position with ESPN, the full letter network uh, as a senior NBA writer. And I am extremely happy and proud of my brother. Uh, you know, he's been working hard and to see him, uh, you know, achieve this and, and get this position. It is well-earned. And so, you know, we're all of, all of us here at the Kings of sport, which I guess for the time being, is just me. All of us here are incredibly happy for Marcus. Uh, but that also, opens up an opportunity here in the program. Like, what's what's next? What's next for the kings of sport? And to quote one of my favorite American philosophers, the man called Sting, the only thing for sure about the kings of sport is nothing's for sure. And to that end, you know, this is episode 295. 
And I bring that up because we are five episodes away from our 300th episode, which is just kind of crazy to me to think about. You know, when we started the show back in 2013, that we would eventually be rolling up on 300 episodes. So what we're going to do instead of trying to kickstart something brand new right now out of the gate, you know, the first week that Marcus isn't here, we're going to take the next five episodes. So 295, 96, 97, 98 and 99. And we're going to call this our soft reboot of the Kings of Sport. And I'm going to bring on guests and, and friends of the program, some that you know, some that you may not know. And, uh, you know, we're going to make it do what it do. And then ultimately, at the end of those five episodes, we'll figure something out in terms of what the show is going to be permanently going forward for episode 300 and beyond. So that's a little housekeeping. That's a little bit of, uh, you know, taking care of the big news issue off the top. Uh, so again, Best of luck to Brother Marcus in his future endeavors. He is always a part of this show down since day one. Going to be down to the day the wheels fall off of this podcast. So with, it, with all that being said, let me bring on my guest this week, or one of my guests, because we might have some other people popping up on this program. This brother knew the minute the horn sounded last night in game six of the NBA Finals that he was going to be getting a call from the Kings of Sport. Because this brother came on and predicted, he prophesied that the Milwaukee Bucks and that man Giannis Antetokounmpo were going to come back and win the series. So let me bring this man on so he can take his victory lap. On your left, everybody. Y'all know this brother. He was here a couple episodes ago. SP3, a.k.a. Brother Sid. Sid, what's good, family? I am here to humble brag. I, I had so many people my first time on Kings of Sports. This great podcast. You guys do amazing work. Congratulations to Marcus going to the mothership, going to ESPN. He is a very knowledgeable man when it comes to NBA basketball. So I'm very happy for him. And I'm very happy to see you, Nate. But I'm, I'm kind of upset that I couldn't see both of y'all because both of y'all said the Suns in six. Suns, <laughs> no, you said Suns in five. He said Suns in six. I said Bucks in seven. I was off by a game, but I am here to humble brag. I said that the Suns, and you know, maybe it's me being a bitter Laker fan that we were up 2-1 against them and then AD went down and then they got the victory, but they had the, the cakewalk through the Western Conference with, with AD going down, with no Jamal Murray for the, for the Nuggets, with no Kawhi Leonard for the Clippers. Everybody was like, Giannis is going to be out in, in the NBA Finals. But I knew, I knew, because the Black Mamba, the other thing that the Kings of Sports community tried to brag on me for, the top 10 <laughs> player in NBA history, Kobe Bean Bryant, he prophesied in 2019 that... None other than Giannis Antetokounmpo. I, I can't say the name right, but I was going to say Big Jan. He was going to win a championship, and that's exactly what happened last night. I'm so happy for Milwaukee Bucks fans. I'm so happy for Giannis. So happy for Chris Middleton. I, I, Giannis is a, is a player that has been top five, top ten for for three, four years now. 
He wins back-to-back MVPs, but his team gets, you know, comes up short in the playoffs the last couple of years. So he was he was always criticized for, you know, coming up short in the big games. This year, I just had a feeling. I was like, they're underneath the radar. The Nets are the favorites in the East. The, the Sixers are more favorites than them. I had a feeling it was Giannis' year, and I'm very happy for them. And I just want to confirm, I got to come out, out the gate, Nate, with a hot take that I know NBA fans out there, I know you guys were so quick, so quick to drop that label of a choke artist on Doc Rivers for for last year with the Clippers and, you know, this year with the Sixers. And I'm not going to deny his resume is inarguable. He has choked a lot in certain situations. And as a Laker fan, once again, Doc Rivers being a former Celtics fan, I have no problem calling him a choke artist. So I'm fine with that. But I want to I want to hear those NBA fans that are ready to admit that Chris Paul is a choke artist too. Four different series, 2-0 leads and he lost. No player, no top 10 in any position player in NBA history has four different playoff series where they were up 2-0 and lost those series. Chris Paul is a choke artist. I'm not going to deny he's not wow. a top 10. He's not a, wow. I'm not going to deny he's not a, he's he's a top 10 point guard of all time, but he's also a choke artist. Wow. Big big strong takes coming from SP3 this week. Here's the thing cuz you you laid a lot out on the table, brother. So let me go down the line and talk about some of these things. First of all, congratulations to Giannis, Middleton, yeah. Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez and them boys. For the Milwaukee Bucks, like they they came out and did what they did what they needed to do, did what in some people's opinion did what they were supposed to do. Uh, I think my big thing with this series and the reason I initially picked the Suns, a I thought they were a better constructed team, top to bottom. But then B, I think we we might have been oversold a bit, and, and when I say we, I mean like the media might have been oversold a bit on the the extent of Giannis's injury. Because that brother came out in game one, even though they lost game one, didn't show any signs of being limited whatsoever. And so, like, as soon as I as soon as I saw that, man, I'm like, this, this is gonna be a problem. And you gotta give you gotta give all the all the credit in the world to Giannis, man. I've I've been a fan of the dude for a while. My only issue with Giannis has ever been the fact where people and this is like NBA fans, particularly NBA Twitter, man. Like they will find any excuse and every excuse, even when the excuses aren't there, to use somebody to bash on LeBron. They do. And, it, they and do. it's like, like there was a two, three year period where everybody was like, oh, see, Giannis better than LeBron. I'm like, come on now. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. Like the the, the slander, the, the, the blasphemy, the disrespect for this man, LeBron, Space Jam, a new legacy, James. Is egregious SP3 because to me, like, this is like his thing. I'm not the biggest LeBron fan, right? Like, to me, Jordan is always number one, it's always gonna be number one. And I get that that's a function of when I was, you know, raised when I came up. But you can't take away anything from that, brother LeBron. Like, if LeBron never plays another game in his life, he's at least the third best player to ever play the game at minimum. And so, like there was that time where it was like whether it was Giannis or Kawhi or KD, and they like, oh, this he better than LeBron. It's his league now. And while I'm not gonna go as far as to say the league is Giannis's league now, SP3, I think that he has fulfilled his promise. 
right? Like the potential that that we all saw for so many years. And so I'm extremely yeah. happy to him and his brothers. Like all of them at the Takumpo boys got rings now. Uh, Theonis, Costas, and Giannis. <laughs> and just flexing that, flexing that Greek on y'all. Uh, so like, I think this is a well-deserved title. Like I know there'll be people out there that, that might say they didn't beat anybody, but you play who's in front of you, man. Especially given the circumstances of the last two NBA seasons with COVID and everything in the yeah. real world. So like shout out to the Bucks for winning this. In terms of Chris Paul being a choker, I'm going to push back on that a little bit because I think Chris Paul, he's not a choker, SP3. He's a victim, a victim, I say, of bad luck and misfortune. Like let's let's take it back a little bit. Let's rewind the tape a little bit, Sid. Okay. And think, like I think there was a movie out a few years ago, maybe like a decade ago now, called Sliding Doors. And it was a movie where this uh, little white lady, I don't know which white lady it was, whoever was hot at the time, uh, Kate Hudson maybe. Uh, <laughs> like maybe somebody in the chat knows, like, was it? <laughs> who, the, who the white lady in Sliding Doors was? Uh, <laughs> who's uh, who's who's the actress that plays Papa Potts? I think it might have been her. Oh, um, Gwyneth Paltrow. Might have been Gwyneth Paltrow. That feels very Gwyneth Paltrow-ish, Sliding Doors. But the premise of Sliding Doors that I've gained from commercials and Wikipedia, because I never watched it, SP3, is what happens if one tiny moment in your life changes everything else that happens in your life. And Chris Paul had a sliding doors moment when David Stern, RIP to David Stern, blocked that trade to send Chris Paul to the Lakers. Imagine, SP3, what we'd be talking about this man had he been in that purple and gold all these years next to Kobe and them. Oh, you you one hundred percent right. I can totally agree with you there because I I remember when this whole went down. I was actually in Washington D.C. A funny enough story. Uh, you know, I I, I actually have photos to confirm this. I was in Washington D.C. with my sister. My sister does work in the Democratic Party, and I got went to a Christmas party with. Barack Obama when he was in office. And, you know, you, you, you actually have the opportunity to shake hands with President Obama. So you're in a line, mm. you know, people going up saying, you know, thank you for all you've done for the country, you know, all this other stuff, you know, first black president, great stuff. You know what I told Barack Obama? <laughs> I asked him, I was like, I know you have some type of power and I know you're an NBA fan. Can you overturn what David Stern did to my Los Angeles <laughs> Lakers and allow Chris Ball to go to the Los Angeles Lakers? He laughed and he was like, he was like, I will try my best, sir. But he didn't do anything. And I'm still <laughs> upset with Barack Obama for that. But it's fine. Um but yeah, I, I I still lay down to this day that Kobe would have won at least one more title yep. and match Michael Jordan if Chris Paul was able to play with the Lakers. So I agree with you there. There are circumstances. I got a shout out in the chat. We got Bushy uh, B saying Andrew. That, uh, Thompson. I, I think that might be Martin Bushby. Shout out to Martin uh, Bushby from the uh, British Wrestling Experience who had a big charity event over the weekend. So shout out to my man's Martin dropping NBA science. What do, what do you got to say? He he's saying he's saying that uh Andrew uh Thompson uh predicted the Bucks during the, the conference mm. semis. So so you know I I'm not gonna say I called it before Andrew Thompson. He was on this show a little <laughs> bit before me, but I just had a feeling once the Bucks were able to get by the Nets, I knew they were gonna go to the finals. It just mm. depended on who they were gonna face, and I just felt like they had the better matchup with the Suns. But to talk about the the LeBron stuff that you're talking about, you know, okay. I do agree that Giannis has officially become the best player in the league. 
And mm. I feel like LeBron James doesn't get a lot of credit. Yeah, I'm like you. I'm a Michael Jordan guy. But to kind of put the two conversations that you're going to have on this show together with pro wrestling and uh, basketball here, I feel like LeBron James in a lot of ways is John Cena. Mm, where talk about it. they have the longevity over over everybody else in wrestling history john cena was on top for longer than hogan longer than longer than uh rock longer than austin as far as like wwe yeah. and you could say it's similar with lebron james he's been on top as the best player in the league longer than michael jordan longer than the kobe bryant you know longer than magic johnson so you can say he has longevity and i know the lebron fans will go out there and and push that as the the main subject of why he's the goat but and, and not not only longevity real quick sp3 not just longevity right because there's a lot of like chris paul been around forever yeah uh, carmelo anthony been around forever but it's longevity yeah. plus production plus yeah. And this is the uh, this is the element I think that separates LeBron from Kawhi or KD or Giannis. Like LeBron had the burden of being the face of the league. Yes, that's, that's something none about. of these I'm, other dudes had to pick up. I'm talking about longevity on top. Like I'm not talking about longevity just being in the league for a long time. I'm talking about longevity being the best player, being the top guy, being the face of the organization. So he, him, LeBron James is is John Cena. John Cena is LeBron James, but like LeBron James to Michael Jordan, his peak, his heights wasn't as high as Michael Jordan. Despite being up there longer, being the face of the NBA longer than Michael Jordan, his highs weren't as high as Michael Jordan, just like John Cena's highs wasn't as high as a Hulk Hogan, The Rock, or Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm -hmm. I feel Stone Cold Steve Austin is the Michael Jordan. He didn't have as long as a run as Michael Jordan, but the way he elevated NBA, the way Michael Jordan elevated the NBA, that's what Austin did for the WWE. So I, I kind of see the parallels between those. And I feel like LeBron James doesn't get enough credit for being on top as long as he is. So yeah. I do agree with you there. And yes, everybody's always trying to find someone new. You know, Kawhi Leonard's been, been the best. And I didn't believe that because the guy the guy doesn't play 82 games in a season. So I'm not gonna give him I'm not gonna give him a whole lot of credit for you know having good playoffs when you're getting more rest than the LeBron James, the Kevin mm. Durant, the Giannis out there. Kevin Durant, he's beaten LeBron James in the NBA Finals, but he's also had two to three Hall of Famers by his side yep. when doing so. So I feel like Giannis Antetokounmpo, the reason why people are ready to give him the mantle of the best player in the league is because he did it with there's, I can't really, maybe True Holiday is the closest. <laughs> okay, but, hey, here's, here's the thing, here's the thing, because I, yeah. I know where you're going with this, Chris Broussard. I know where you're going with this, brother, talking about he didn't have a super team. And here's the thing. He didn't. You're right in the fact that he didn't have a super team. But this man had a team that performed superbly, right? Yes, like, yes. Like, and and I like I give Giannis the lion's share of the credit, like more so than anybody on the team, including Coach Booty Man, because that's the one thing about the Milwaukee Bucks victory that I hate the most. Like y'all was ready to fire this dude four weeks ago, and now he got job security. Damn it, ain't life great for a mediocre white man? But that's neither here nor there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I think with with Giannis, yes, you give him credit for this, but I also think to Act like Chris Middleton is not an all-star. Act like Drew Holiday isn't like no. a great two-way player. Act like, like, here's the thing, and I never thought I would say this, SP3. Like, 
Brooke Lopez has some big games in these playoffs. Like, yes. so like you give Giannis all the credit, and I, I I will fully do that. But also, like I think Chris Broussard was a a bit hyperbolic when he was like, oh, he he made it sound like Giannis was out there playing with them with the Cavaliers. LeBron took to the finals that first time with with Anderson no, Verizon. No, 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 he, some he, scrubs. He, he's not he's not LeBron with those Cavs. He's not <laughs> is it Allen Iverson with the yep. with the two thousand one uh seventy sixers. He's not even LeBron James when you know Kawhi Kawhi Leonard. I mean, uh, excuse me, Kyrie Irving went down in two thousand yep. uh, fifteen. So. I give I I don't give him that much credit, but when you think about the team that he has, yes, Chris Middleton is an All Star. Yes, uh, True Holiday is a All Defensive Player. Uh, Brooke Lopez, the great the 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 top leading scorer in Nets history. You guys laughed at me when I said he's the greatest Net of all time, and he delivered. He he, he performed to his abilities, but Brooke Lopez is out of his prime. True Holiday has really just become like a a competent point guard and defensive guy. That steal in game five is probably the play of the whole NBA finals, in my opinion. And and Chris Middleton, he's inconsistent. For for all that we can say good about him, he's very inconsistent. He, he will have 33 one game and then have follow up with 16 the next. Giannis is, is the guy that kind of – makes the ship run he's at the lead so he has to get the lion's share of the credit you know, you and, know the crazy thing sp3 real quick like yeah because i i think people severely undervalued drew holiday's contribution when he when he signed with the bucks yes but it's like like good for drew for getting the chip for getting his paper like i think they may have overpaid for drew but i guess it, it it's worth it when you get that return on your investment with a championship but it's like they probably could have won a chip earlier had they not decided to part ways with Malcolm Brogdon. Because I thought that dude with Giannis, with an up-and-coming Middleton, like that was a foundation they could have built on. So I think they they might have actually prolonged the process uh, to steal a Philly term by parting ways with Malcolm and then feel like the last three years underachieving to the point where we got to go out there and, and pay for Drew Holiday. Yeah, I mean, Drew Holiday, I, I said this from the very beginning, and I got to shout out Marcus Vandenberg in, in the live oh, chat. Snap. In the live chat with the, with the prophetic words, you were right, SP3. Click on there. it. I, bring it on the screen, SP3. I, 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 I can't seem to, to click on it, my brother. So I, yeah, yeah. You got you got to put you got to put Marcus up there because I, I I need like a, a screenshot. Bang, of it. There yes. you go. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you. Yes, there I said it. SP3, you were right. Yes, I was right. I I I just knew Giannis <laughs> was the best player on the court. Everybody wants to root for the underdog. Wants to root for Chris Paul to finally win one. It was Giannis's time. It was Giannis' time to be the best player on the court, to be the NBA Finals MVP. So I am happy. I am happy for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, but, yeah, I, I feel like I said it from, like, the very beginning when they got True Holiday. This was the key to them winning a mm. championship or going at least to the NBA Finals. I kind of saw that they would make it to the NBA Finals. I had people telling me they were going to lose in the first round to the Miami Heat. Because I was like, I was like, no, this is not the same Bucks team that lost to the Miami Heat last year. True Holiday is a difference maker, and he proved that by sweeping the Miami Heat. He came up big in situations against the Nets. 
I, I saw I saw Skip Bayless, of course. Skip Bayless got to be a hater and say if, <laughs> if Kevin Durant didn't have his toe on the line, we wouldn't be talking about any of this, and he would be the next best player in the NBA. Fine and dandy, Skip Bayless, however you feel about <laughs> that, but give Giannis his flowers while he's still yeah. here. He deserves the credit. I mean, it's it's all a series of ifs, right? Like, yeah. what what happens if AD doesn't get hurt in the West? Like, I think the Lakers might come out of the West. What I, happens? I think so. Like, what what happens if if Trey Young gets some some help other than Red Velvet Kevin Herter and somebody else puts up twenty? The Hawks might have been in the finals. So I think, like, what if Ben Simmons could hit a free throw? The Seventy Sixers might have been here. So like, you can't play the what if game. I think you got to look at what they did in the actual, you know, contest. And, and I give all the credit to the Bucks for that, man. The question, though, SP3, is what's next? That's always the question. What's yeah. next for the Bucks? Because I feel like they they came through in a window. Like, it, it's, it's very much like, you know, going back to Michael Jordan, like when the Houston Rockets got them two chips when Jordan was out swinging at balls and strikes. This feels like that window where you had a, a Nets team that was beat up. You got a Philly team that's self-destructed. You got an Atlanta team that's coming but not there yet. You got a Miami Heat team that might have been a bit – I'm not going to go as far as to say they were a fluke in the bubble, but times change. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so this was like the perfect time for the Bucks to step up and get that chip. And so do you feel like this is something sustainable? Because I think they'll be in the mix – I don't know if they hoist that Larry O'Brien again, though, brother. Uh, I don't see them hosting the Larry O'Brien at least next year. I think next year is the Nets year. They, the Nets have a very small window to capitalize on having three yeah. uh, three of, what, top 10, top 15 players in the NBA, and they need to capitalize it on, on it quickly because I think in 2022 – uh, one or or all three will be free agents by that time. So they need to capitalize next year. Next year needs to be their year to win the championship. So I, I kind of see the Nets being the ones to win. And, and it's something similar with my Lakers. I feel like LeBron James is getting up there in years. No matter what he did against the Monstars in Space Jam, the new legacy, <laughs> I, I don't believe he's going to be one of the best players in the league for that much longer. He's got probably next year and maybe the year after where he's in the mix, top 10, top 15, but he's slowly trickling down. He's now number two, in my opinion, behind Giannis, isn't the best players in the league. Kevin Durant is nipping at his heels as well. So it, 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 the Lakers, the Nets, they have a short window to capitalize. And even if uh, the Clippers are able to re-sign uh, Kawhi Leonard, I feel like their window is very short as well because I, I, I don't think they have one year like the Nets do because of the mm. free agency in 2022. And, you know, the Lakers do because of LeBron's age. They have a, a wider window, maybe two, three years if they're able to re-sign Kawhi Leonard. But those three teams kind of tell me that, I don't see the Bucks winning next year, but if they can get more shooters around them, uh, I think they can be in the mix and at least be in the conference finals against the next next year. Here's the thing, and this is no disrespect to Giannis or anybody out there in Milwaukee. This gonna be it, man. And I, and it's not because of Giannis, it's not because of Chris Middleton, no. it's not because of Drew Holiday or Brooke Lopez or Theonis or any of them boys, it's because of Mike Budenholzer, the booty man. 
You can only get lucky but so many times in life, SP3. Yes. And this was his time to get lucky, his time to be fortunate. And so I think Mike Budenholzer is going to ride this to another contract extension, and they're going to get more of the same. Like, we're going to get these decent playoff runs. We might get to another conference finals, but but we're not getting that chip again. And 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 so I think the Bucks are going to be in the mix, but – between those teams you mentioned that are aging but still up on top, and then teams on the come up like Atlanta, like Dallas, like I yeah. think Jason Kidd and Luca, like they, they're gonna be a problem for 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 a while. Like uh, Phoenix, like here's the thing about Phoenix, I think they are in position to be in contention with a lot of these teams, like Denver, I agree. like the Utah Jazz. The question is, where do they go from here? Because I don't know if you can just run it back. I think there are things that they need to address, and Chris Paul might be top of the list on that, SP3. Chris Paul, just pick up the phone, my brother. Pick up the phone and call your best friend, LeBron James. <laughs> the Lakers are going to welcome you with, with open arms. We need another shooter. We need another guy who can create his own shots. Come on home. Come to the place you were supposed to be mm. 10 years ago. Please. Please, I, I beg of you, just come on in. We're going to welcome you with open arms. LeBron's there. AD is there. It's going to be a grand old time. I need CP3 as a Laker. We will. We are like the, the Heimlich maneuver. We will, we will stop you from choking, sir. We will stop you from choking, <laughs> and we will get you that championship before you call it quits. Come on home and bring number 18 to the Los Angeles Lakers. See, I'm not mad at that. Like, I think Chris Paul, like, he wouldn't be the reason that they won, but I think he'd be a real nice piece uh, with LeBron and with presumably a healthy AD, and you get some shooters around him. Like, I think that's a a team that's always going to be in the mix because they're the Lakers and they have LeBron, who might not be, to your earlier point, like, he might not be peak LeBron, he might not be prime LeBron, but... Even still, like old LeBron is better than half the league. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, like LeBron, AD, CP3, some shooters. That's a team that could cause some problems. I think the what's going to be interesting in this offseason, Sid, is what moves are made. Whether you're talking about Dame Lillard, Steph Curry, like who's going where? Kimball Walker. Like, is Kimball Walker's final destination going to be in OKC? I don't believe it is. Like, there's a lot of moving parts. Like, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the Hawks. Like, I would love to see if uh, the Hawks could make a move for Bradley Beal. Like, I think mm. that would be a great piece. Like, there's already talk about them sending Gallo to the Timberwolves. I don't know why the Timberwolves would want Danilo Gallinari for that salary. But, hey, if it can help the Hawks, so I'm all for it. More power to them. So, before we switch topics to the ring, uh, any any thoughts about some of these potential moves out there and, and maybe some of these potential landing places for somebody like a Dame or a Steph? Um, I mean, Dame Litter is is a guy that can totally change this conversation. Like I said, Nets, Lakers, Clippers, those are the teams I'm thinking of right now, immediately after the NBA Finals. If Dame Lever- Lillard was to get traded to the Denver Nuggets, this whole conversation changes. Because Dame Lillard with uh, Jokic in Denver, that would be the best one-two punch in the league, in my opinion. And they would be the favorites to win in the West. So it really is dependent. And even if he if he goes over to Philly for a trade with with Ben Ben Simmons, it, it makes the whole conversation of the that's, Bucks. That's the spot it. I like the best, probably. 
I, I like Denver the best. I, I think Denver is in a spot where if they get an all-star or a top 15, top 20 player, like a Dame Lillard, like a Bradley Beal, one or the other, they could be the favorite to win the entire Western Conference. That I just feel like the, See, the Denver right, right there. You said you said two key words, and that's that's the primary reason I think I would want if I'm Dame, I would want to go to Philly is to get out of the Western Conference. Because while you still have, you know, Giannis and and the Heat and the Nets and the Hawks out east, yeah. it's still an easier path than going through the Clippers and the Lakers and the Jazz and the Suns. So I like if I'm if I'm Dame, I think while Denver's an attractive landing spot, Philly might be a little bit better in terms of the path of least resistance. I kind of do agree with you there. Like they, they have an easier path because they really just have to get by the the Nets where they, they have the one-two punch that can probably beat Giannis in the Bucks, But, you know, the Nets is probably they're going to be their only competition. And as we saw this year, the Nets being 100% healthy by the playoffs is not a guarantee. So, yeah, I, I would say that the, the Sixers is more attractive for Dame Lillard. But, of course, I live in New York City, and I have New York <laughs> fans that swear to me that he's coming to the Knicks, the Knicks above all else. And I'm like, why would Dave Lillard leave the situation that he has in Portland right. to be in a similar situation with the Knicks with no other star player like next to him? Because they'd have to give stuff up to get Dame. Uh, it's like, it's like, it's like, you guys don't make any sense. You guys read the Daily News and the New York Post. And I think that, that I, I've been dealing with this stuff for 25 years. This Chris Webber was supposed to be with the with the mm. Knicks. Tracy McGrady in his prime was supposed to be with the Knicks. Like the only person in the past 25 years that the, those newspapers and analysts and Knicks fans have said they were going to get and they got was Carmelo Anthony. And that mm-hmm. worked out great, didn't it? But it's just like, like, it's like Dame is not packing up and moving all the way across the country to come play with Obi Toppin. Like, stop it. Come on. Seriously. That's, right? that's no disrespect to Obi, but it ain't happening. It's not going down. <laughs> and even if they were to trade Julius Randle, like Julius Randle, I I give him all the credit in the world. He, he definitely deserved being most improved player, being an all NBA player, 100%. But he's not a star player. I wouldn't say Julius Randle is significantly better than C.J. McCullough. So I'm sorry. I'm not convinced that Dame Lillard would want to come to the New York Knicks unless they are able to sign Kawhi Leonard. I just don't see it happening. You're talking about big names, SP3. Big names on the move. Big names going to different spots. And this past week, switching gears to professional wrestling, we had a big name to come back to the World Wrestling Entertainment Company. Like, I I was up in the air because I was going to say World Wrestling Federation, and then I was like, that's not who they are anymore. And and then just, like, the World Wrestling Entertainment Company conglomerate, it it just didn't work. So I I tried to stick the land and didn't work, much like Raw on Monday night. Um, (laughs) But I'm talking, of course, about that man, Goldberg. Bill Goldberg is back, which means... Cue the episode title. We got big meaty men slapping meat. Yes, it's so, going to be Goldberg and Lashley. Goldberg and Lashley. So, real quick before we get to that, Sid, any thoughts on the weekend? Because I thought Money in the Bank, which was like kind of the first official show, I guess, in front of a live crowd for the WWE, like it was a pretty good show. Like there was yeah. very little filler. Like the the ladder matches went pretty well. Like I, I was. 
uh, pleasantly surprised by the men's ladder match. The women's ladder match was good. The finish was a little clunky, but it was still good, man. And then, you know, Roman and Edge did their thing. So I thought overall it was a pretty good show, and, and the crowd was hot, man, from start to finish. So any thoughts on Money in the Bank before we get to Bill Goldberg coming through on Monday Night Raw, brother? I have to show some love for Impact Wrestling because their buzz yeah, that they yeah. created with their show, anniversary on Saturday, lasted about a day after the Money in the Bank uh, pay-per-view. <laughs> so I have to show them love. They had a great show with anniversary. Yeah. I had people like an hour into the show like, oh, they made all this big deal for No Way Jose and, and uh, Eden English. And then, you know, Thunder Rosa shows up, Mickey James shows up, and then the ending with Jay White uh, coming out and confronting the elite. That that, that was a great like show to get people to watch Impact Wrestling, a show that I've been watching for a couple of months now and been really enjoying their output. I think that uh, a lot of people that saw Slammiversary saw what they got going on, and they deserve credit, especially that main event between Kenny Omega and Sammy Callahan, probably yeah. the best match Omega has had in Impact Wrestling. But as far as Money in the Bank, I would go farther than pretty good. I thought this was a great show. Uh, I wasn't... Okay. I wasn't too high on the women's money in the bank match. I thought, you know, not only the finish, I thought a lot of the, the match was clunky. Uh, people showed that they were into people like Naomi, who I, I really mm -hmm. enjoyed her getting a strong pop. Alexa Bliss, when she doesn't, she wasn't doing the goofy hypnosis stuff. She was over with the crowd. Uh, Oscar was over. And I thought Nikki Ash was a good person to win the money in the bank briefcase. You know, she took a chance with this whole gimmick and, you know, they're giving her the opportunity to make an assess of it. But yeah. it all comes down to those final two matches. The men's Money in the Bank was fantastic and probably the best Money in the Bank ladder match I've seen since 2016, in my opinion. And Big E winning, oh, man, oh, man, I was so happy. Big smile on my yes. face. Someone that truly deserves it for not only working ben so hard. It. Exactly. Working so hard in WWE, but he's actually a decent human being outside of it. He does so much great work outside of the WWE. He deserves this opportunity, deserves a chance to be a main eventer, to be a world champion. So I was very happy for that. And it felt like the first time in quite some time that they went with a new guy to be in this scene that wasn't going to fail, like Baron Corbin in 2017. No offense to Corbin. Hey, hey, uh, brother, brother going through some things right now, SP3. Don't pile on. <laughs> Hey, hey, I'm going to donate to the Corbin Fund as soon as I'm allowed. As soon as they give you the capabilities to donate, I'm going to donate. But the main event, I thought, was perfect storytelling as far as uh, uh, Roman and Edge. You know, the action wasn't too great, but that's what the Roman Reigns matches are. It's a slow beginning, and it gets you into the crescendo, the final 10 minutes. And I thought the two guys worked well with each other. I like the finish with setting up Edge versus Seth Rollins at Russell, at uh, excuse me, SummerSlam. SummerSlam feels like WrestleMania. That's what I'm about to call it, WrestleMania, yeah. because that ending with John Cena, it took them, what, mm. 20 years for John Cena to finally get the Stone Cold Pop. <laughs> and as a day one John Cena fan, to the fact that some of my friends can tell you, Nate, that my AIM, my American online screen name, was <laughs> Day Cena KB8, because I'm a Kobe Bryant fan, and wow. I was a day one John Cena fan, for him to finally get the unanimous pop 
like that. That's the greatest prop. One of the greatest props I've ever heard. It's up there with with Austin making the save for Mankind to win the WWF Championship. Austin saving the WWF from the Alliance. Uh, Triple H at Madison Square Garden. The Hardys mm-hmm. at WrestleMania 33. And John Cena at Money in the Bank 2021. Great stuff. And it sets up a dream SummerSlam match. So I thoroughly enjoyed Money in the Bank. Yeah, Money in the Bank, like the more that you talk about it, yeah, it was probably a little bit better than I give it credit for, but the big the big match is delivered and that ending with Cena, man. Like, and I think Cena's somebody, and maybe we'll see this going back to your early comparison. Maybe we'll see this with LeBron in a few years, where all the haters, all the doubters, all the complainers over the years start to warm up to this man and be like, yo, we was watching, we was watching greatness, and we didn't even know. It was right there in front of our face, Sid, but we didn't appreciate it. Uh, and, and I think that's like with Cena, I've I've always respected the brother. Like I've had complaints, valid complaints in a lot of cases about the booking around John Cena. But, you know, you can't knock this dude's work ethic. You can't mm-hmm. knock the hustle, no pun intended. And so, yeah, I think we're going to have a really, really fun feud uh, between him and Roman. But that brings us to Monday Night Raw, where the first person we saw was John Cena coming out to the WWE universe and and we had Cena like uh we had uh Goldberg as I mentioned earlier we had Nikki Cross now Nikki Ash uh beating Charlotte cashing in her briefcase for the women's title on Raw and so like just talking about that night like you know you can start with Goldberg or any of the other uh incidents that I mentioned like what are your thoughts on that show and where the WWE is kind of positioning themselves heading into SummerSlam I, this was the first time in months that I wanted to watch Raw live at the beginning, <laughs> and it was because they said John Cena was going to be on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't expecting him to like start a feud with somebody on Raw because he just started the feud with Roman Reigns. So I liked the promo. I, I wasn't too enthused on him saying he's not over because... Roman Reigns is definitely over if you heard the reaction he got at SmackDown and Money in the Bank. So I'm hoping for a little bit more when, you know, they go face to face on mm. Friday and we can really get, you know, into the feud, into an exchange between the two guys. So but I was very I was very happy with the promo, with the noise that he got, another great pop on Monday Night Raw and him putting putting over uh, Riddle afterwards. I thought that was a nice little touch. The opening six man was fun. I started to tail out on the show when I heard piped in pop for Jackson Riker. And then <laughs> I, I officially checked out. I officially checked out on, on Monday night when uh, Natty and Tamina versus Nia, Nia Jackson, uh, Sheena Baszler for the 46,000th time. I, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch the rest in the morning. And then I woke up in the morning. Okay, hold on, hold on. Time out. Two things on this program. I, I, you, I It's no, no fault to you, SP3, because you might not. No, you you know, you kind of knew around here, but this is a pro Nia Jax house. I, I'm, I'm not saying Look, anything wrong with no Nia, Nia Jax slanders allowed in this house, SP3. The other thing is, and I think you're about to get to it, man. Before we even got to Goldberg, before we even got to Nikki Ash winning the title, there was one moment that made me smile because Jeff Hardy had to come back and do it for the people. This was a, like ever after that whole, like I said, you had the high of John Cena, you had the low of Jackson Riker getting a pop and having a 15 minute long matchup. You had uh, the high of, you know, Cena putting over Riddle, Riddle in a six man tag. That was fun. 
you had the low of another match. You know, I'm not saying anything wrong with Nia Jax. I'm just saying we've seen that match way too many times. And when I get the repetitive <laughs> feeling, I'm not with it. I got I to gotta watch in the morning. So I watch in the morning. And I was happy with a lot of things that happened in the rest of the show. You know, Jeff Hardy with the no more words. I was like, yes, this is one of the best things WWE's ever had. And then he beats NXT champion. Carrying Cross in his debut. Are you kidding me, WWE? I understand this is Vince McMahon sending a message, according to Sean Rossap of Fightful and Dave Meltzer of Wrestling Observer. Okay, yes, you send a message that NXT doesn't matter to you, but it matters to a lot of people. And when you had when he has the NXT championship, not just a not- lot of people, SP3, like it matters to your customers. <sighs> Your, exactly. The people that pay to see it, your shows, brother. It matters to your son-in-law. Like, why are you mm. doing it to him? Like, I, I, I understand. I'm okay with it because I'm not the biggest Triple H fan. I actually said this on the Fightful Twitch uh, Twitch channel yesterday, and I'll say it for you because King of, Kings of Sports, like you said at the beginning, it's about two African-Americans, one or, one or more African-Americans talking about sports and professional wrestling. And I want to say... I want to take this win for the black delegation. Mm. Triple H, we finally got revenge on you for what you did to Booker T at WrestleMania <laughs> 19. Your Fed is dead. Your NXT is dead. You lost in the war that you said was a marathon and not a sprint. You lost the sprint and the marathon to AEW. Mm. Now your NXT champion that you build up for a whole entire year, you had beat every single guy on your roster from Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, Pete Dunne, Finn Balor, and beyond, and he jobs out to Jeff Hardy, the same guy <laughs> that jobbed to Jinder Mahal and Beer, Jinder wow. Mahal's new pumped-up sing brother, on the main <laughs> event, on the D show that is only available on Hulu. I just want to thank everyone, all of the black delegation. We want to thank Vince McMahon for finally giving us a victory over Paul Levesque, <laughs> over Triple H, over Hunter Hearst Hemsley. I am so happy to see what has become of mm. your precious NXT. And see, I, I will, uh, you know, allow you to take that victory lap, SP3. But here's the thing with Vince. Vince always giveth, then he always taketh away. Because getting to our, uh, I guess our co-main for SummerSlam, Bill Goldberg is back, and something tells me, man, something tells me Vince is going to do it, even though he shouldn't, even though he, like, everybody watching, like, even Bill Goldberg is probably like, you shouldn't put the title on me, dog. Vince is going to do it, man, because that's what Vince McMahon does. Yeah, I have a feeling too. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. When you have Keith Lee come back in his hometown, get everybody excited, like, oh, Keith Lee's back. He's back. He's accepting the challenge for for Bobby Lashley. At least let them have a good match. At least make it a little bit competitive. Don't squash Keith Lee in his hometown to set up Goldberg coming out and challenging (laughs) Bobby Lashley. I just have a feeling. Yo, they had me so excited because, like, for those that didn't see the show, like, Lashley. Uh, you know, offers this open challenge and there's like this pause, this dramatic pause. And before Keith Lee came out, I actually thought Big E was going to come out and I would have been so hyped for that. But then Keith Lee comes out. I'm like, oh, that ain't Big E, but I'm still hyped for Keith Lee. Yes. Then the match happens. I'm like, mm. then we hear that Goldberg music again. And I'm like, oh, I, I turned into uh, Kale from Keenan and Kale. Like, oh, here it goes. Oh, here it goes. <laughs> Like, I, I do have to, to run, but, yeah, I did want to talk about this Goldberg and Lashley. Like, this, mm. 
I, I don't understand WWE. Like, no, I'm not saying that Bill Goldberg is not a draw. He is a draw to, to lapsed fans that have gone away from the product because they remember his name when he was on top in WCW. You use Goldberg against Big E, I'm fine with this. You use Goldberg against Riddle, I'm totally fine with this. It's the fact that we just saw him come back and get a WWE championship match at the Royal Rumble in January of this year for him to do the same story against the guy that Drew McIntyre couldn't beat this whole couple of months. So he couldn't beat Drew McIntyre at the Royal Rumble. So we're supposed to think he can beat the guy that Drew couldn't beat. And he probably will be him. So it's just it's just irritating how WWE books these things. It's just it's just crazy to me. It it makes no sense. Like again, like I'm not saying Bill Goldberg can't can't earn a check out here on these streets, SP3, but it's like, come on, man. We we passed this. Uh like Bill Goldberg, you can have him on your show, just not in this match. Uh, you know, that that being said, I thought Raw for the most part was a it was a mixed bag as Raw is because it's three yeah. hours and it doesn't need to be. But, like, the parts that worked, worked for me. I'm excited for SmackDown. And so, like, like the ratings showed. The ratings bore out that this is a show that people were excited about. And it's it's good to be excited about WWE for a while. Uh, you know, it felt like a long time. It is. It is good to be excited for WWE. Them with fans back is just so much better than what we saw in the Thunderdome, in the empty mm -hmm. WWE Performance Center. So I'm happy that fans are back and there is some enthusiasm, some buzz behind WWE again. AEW yep. has a whole bunch of buzz, and I'm sure you're going to mm. talk about the big... So, real big quick, speaking of that buzz, like before you dip, brother, any thoughts on the, the news of the day or the... Uh, Reported news of the day involving one CM Punk. Oh, I, I am, I am, I am very, very excited, interested, intrigued in this news. I've been fooled before. It's been reported many different times that CM Punk <laughs> might be talking to somebody, might be coming back. But this feels like tangible news. It comes from a great source, Sean Rossap, who I've done work with. I've been on Quizzlemania with. He is the number one scoopster. He is the millennial multer. He is the guy that breaks a lot of the wrestling news. So when it comes from him, you know it comes from a viable source. And I have a feeling the source is probably someone in CM Punk's camp. So I think that this is very close to being solidified. I don't I expect it to happen at all out. And I think I'm going to, you know, temper this for all fans that are saying you know if he doesn't show up at all out all out is a failure don't go right. in like that because you're setting yourself up to fail he hasn't reported that at all it's just talks have started but i'm very excited for what can potentially happen because cm punk daniel brian danielson being rumored to be out of wwe as well being uh, people in wwe both think that uh punk and brian are going to sign with aew this could be a significant tie mm -hmm. changer this could be something that really makes it tangible that we have something close to wwf and wcw with aew getting yep. that that bunch of star power and i don't care what anybody says people tell me online oh Punk and uh, Brian are not are not big stars. They are big stars <laughs> to hardcore wrestling fans that have left the product. I know hardcore wrestling fans yep. that have stopped watching. That will come back for Punk and Brian. So it's a very exciting time in all of professional wrestling. Yeah, and I'll talk more about it uh, in a second. But I think just real quick, like shout out to uh, Sap because I like you said, man, Sap 
is up there for me with people like John Pollock, you know, up yeah. there for me with people like uh, Brandon Thurston. Like, I trust yes. their work. And yeah. while, like, I'm not naive enough to believe this, to take this as gospel, because this is wrestling, man. These people, as great as they are, they get paid to fool you. They get paid to lie. Indeed. So I'm, yeah, I believe it when I see it. But I think, like, if Brandon's, uh, excuse me, if Sean's reporting it, that there is some validity to it. Uh, now, speaking of validity, brother, uh, you done validated yourself here on the show this week with your prediction, and uh, we'll definitely be catching up with you down the road. So if anybody wants to find out more about the work you're doing, brother, let them know and uh, uh, let them know what, what – What's, what's going on in the world of the number one John Cena fan in the game right now? <laughs> and and I just want to break this news as well. He follows me on Twitter as of yesterday. He oh. follows me on Twitter. He knows that we are best friends. So John Cena follows me on Twitter. Just wanted to make that clear. But you can follow me on Twitter at TrueHillSP3. Uh, you can follow my work over. You see the band right by, by over me, True Hill Heat. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. A whole bunch of great content. We did a roundtable review of Money in the Bank, a roundtable review of Slammiversary. We reviewed this week's Monday Night Raw. We're going to have a review of NXT. And we go live this Saturday with True Hill Heat 135, where we're going to talk about all the latest wrestling news. So check that out. And you can see me later on today in about less than 30 minutes at 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Wrestling Daily YouTube channel with myself and UK, the face of UK wrestling media, Alex McCarthy, as we're going to talk about this huge news with CM Punk potentially going to AEW. But I want to thank you, Nate, for having me. And this won't be the last time that I'm on Kings of Sports because I love chatting about wrestling and all of sports with you, good brother. No doubt, brother. Get good stuff. And, uh, you know, encourage everybody out there to check out the work you're doing. But I know I got to let you go, not only for your shows, but you got to get ready, man, because we all got to get suited and booted for that trial of Faye Jackson later tonight. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be there. I'm rooting for Faye versus the internet. <laughs> Later, y'all. Take care, brother. SP3, <laughs> a.k.a. our guy Sid, joining us here on the Kings of Sports. So, yeah, that's kind of what the next few weeks of the Kings of Sports is going to be. Like, we're just talking with friends of the program and, and having good conversations and, you know, just kind of finding where we end up as a show. And to that end, let me bring on another friend of the program, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, again, you know, we're talking about a lot of things going on in the wrestling world today, so I could not end the show without bringing his brother on to chat for a few minutes. Uh, he, much like Sid, is probably getting ready, uh, you know, picking out his finest threads for the trial of Faye Jackson. But let me bring this guy on from Pro Wrestling Torch. You heard him on the Nubian Wrestling Advocates as well as some other shows on Post Wrestling. He's a friend of the program. Rich fan. Brother Rich, what's good, family? Not much, brother Nate. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for taking the time to have me on on such uh, short notice. I apologize. Taking care of some stuff with the family got pulled in. No um, problem, man. Look, look, you, come on now, Rich. We keep it a hundred here on the Kings of Sport. It's okay. You was at the Stacy Adams store buying some new shoes for the trial tonight. Then you had to go to Burlington <laughs> Coat Factory to get a new fit. So it's it's okay, man. It's a big day. It's a big day. Yeah, we got to be ready. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be wild. I'm hoping that Shug. Has the evidence he thinks. <laughs> if Cam got off, I think I think Faye's got. She's gonna the jury of her peers. It's gonna be tough to to to, to convict. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, man. Like when at the end of the year, and they probably should have did this last year, but at the end of the year, when all of these sites give their feuds of the year, if I don't see some consideration for Faye and Suge, 
I'm gonna feel some type of way, Rich, because because they out here doing work. They are. They really are. And you know, sure, God bless him. He is taking on a a role as prosecutor. <laughs> Not that uh, Johnny Cochran have we seen a lawyer put in a position that is more untenable. So I, I, I don't know. And, and Johnny, at least he had the glove. If it don't fit, he must have quit as a defensive lawyer. I don't know if there's a prosecutorial equivalent of that. So we're going to see. Yes, we will. And uh, shout out to everybody watching, including former uh, host of the show, uh, Marcus Vandenberg. We see you, brother. Marcus is like, oh, a two-guest show. Uh, Y'all being fancy now. But, yeah, we got uh, Brother Rich on for our first show of the new era while we figure out what, what this show is going to be. And I guess we can start, Rich, real quick, where uh, SP3 and I left off. And that's talking about kind of the big news of the day with CM Punk. And my feeling about it is, like, I'm I'm waiting and seeing because I've been fooled too many times in wrestling and sports, like when it comes to people talking about retirements and coming back from retirements. And so, like, while I'm not, invalidating saps reporting like because the brother does good work i'm I'm on that wait and see tip where, where, where you at with the cm punk story man yeah i'm in wait and see and but 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 i'm i'm of the mindset it's between him and brian danielson mm-hmm. uh, it, it's a situation where i i see it as if they are going to come back now's the time to do it right between uh getting an opportunity either through aew other indies ring of honor uh, PWG reopening and with the way people have found over the pandemic the last year they can reinvent themselves and really control their own narrative outside of just you know WWE or AEW I, I think if he's going to come back now's the time to do it yeah I, I would agree I think that particularly if you talk about that that AEW carrot out there like there there's there's potential like it and uh, Sid was alluding to it like it feels like a much bigger deal. And this is no disrespect to the Christians of the world or the Matt Hardy's of the world, but this is a different level. Like we're talking maybe not, well, definitely not quite as big. I don't want to get into hyperbole. I'm not Chris Broussard on these streets. Uh, like it's not the same level as Hall and Nash back in the day. But if, if this happens with Brian and with punk, it's still a damn big deal. And it's still something that could go a long way towards cementing AEW as like, this is an alternative, man. Like if everybody out here who's been complaining about the WWE for years and years, we we're giving you something different. So here's Punk, here's Brian. Check us out. Like I think this could be a big thing if it happens, and I'm gonna stress that if, Rich. Uh, but let's let's say it doesn't happen. Let's let's say it doesn't happen, and Punk and Brian don't make their way to uh, Tony Khan land. Where do you think that leaves AEW? Because I feel like Punk and Brian, while important signings, would be kind of like cherries on the top of the Sunday. Like, I think they've already built up something really strong down there, and it would be nice. It would be a luxury to have Punk and Brian, but I don't think it's a necessity. No. And given the fact that Tony Khan is such a big ECW fan from back in the day, I'm sure he's cognizant of how ECW, especially when it was in its most uh, popular heydays they would bring in folks like i you know i, I saw uh before he died I, I saw the 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 column on the idea of terry funk's role in ecw being paid, played by jericho mm. and i i think with cm punk and with brian it would be the same thing you're bringing in guys who 
would-be legends from the indie scene that are now kind of coming into the twilight of their career. And in, the, in, in AEW, they would be welcome. They would have so many different opportunities, so many different feuds. And I think when it comes to them not coming, you still have a strong young roster. You still have folks like Team Taz by itself. You have three guys right there that should be in the next few years moving into good singles careers in the case of Powerhouse and Ricky. And then Hook is already going to be a guy whenever he starts doing more tags or whenever he gets a chance to kind of shine on his own, he's going to be a million bucks because people already love him. And so same thing with some of the other folks like Captain Sean Dean, uh, Mm -hmm. whatever's going on now with Ego and uh, Scorpio. Uh, yep. So there's so many different guys they can rotate in and out into that section. Of course, Cody. Sammy, Darby, like I think those guys are already yeah. on that level. Yeah, Darby. I mean, I had people on the torch end complaining uh, to us, not not folks I work with, that Darby, it was kind of like hot shotting, putting him in that match. I was like, well, no, we saw during the pandemic that man was in a main event by himself. Mm-hmm. He carried a rating. He did well. People react to him. If anything, putting him in that match against the guy he's had a five-year feud with, was a culmination of something that's happened again, very similar to what happened in ECW. A lot of yeah. stuff between Psychosis and Rey Mysterio, or Jericho and Miss uh, Malenko and Benoit. All those guys had feuds from Japan and Canada, and right. they just folded into ECW, and that wasn't a big deal. I think they're trying to do that with AEW. And then we haven't even talked about. Let's say Punk and Brian don't show up; they still have whatever side of the coin has to flip with it with Impact in terms of what needs to happen and yep. mm-hmm. bringing guys up from over there, because we've seen Omega come over there. We've seen the good brothers come back and be like, you know, patsies basically in Omega's matches. But what we haven't seen yet is a uh, rich Swan yep. jump into uh, AEW and smack some fools up. We haven't seen a moose just absolutely yeah. tear it up. So we, there are opportunities outside of those two guys that can still add to what the weekly watching is on AEW. I, I think Moose, like Moose showing up in AEW would be bananas. Cause I, I feel like people, and, and this is more speaking to the level that impact has been at over the years, rather than Moose individually rich. I think people kind of put Moose in a box and it's like, nah, man, like if you put this dude on a bigger stage, he's not going to shrink in the moment. He's going to, fit that stage and mm-hmm. so yeah i think moose popping up in aw could be really fun uh you know like you said somebody like a rich swan or, or uh, even even somebody like a uh, chris bay or, or some of the women like i think mm-hmm. that might even be the most beneficial thing for aw is if some of the knockouts came over uh from from impact so like i think there's there's so many possibilities out there and it's a good time to be a wrestling fan but rich i i couldn't i couldn't bring you on brother and not talk about the man of the hour the man that titled this episode big meaty man slapping meat bill goldberg back in the building what do you think of the way that that segment came across on raw and are are you like me and sid where we have a bit of trepidation and feel like vince might get a wild hair man and pull the damn trigger on another goldberg run I, I could see that. I absolutely can see that. I'm more in the field of I don't mind Goldberg. I like Bill when he came back. I respect him for what yeah. he does in terms of like getting people's attention and getting in, getting out. One thing I didn't like, though, was and I don't know if you gents talked about it because I came in a little late. So I, I wasn't in the uh, the green room long enough to hear the, the, the discussion. But 
sacrificing Keith the way they mm-hmm. did. Yep. And and putting him in position. You, you, you talk all night about he's from the area. Then you start having uh, 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 you, you start having Graves talk about how slow he looks and and how he's just not have. It's like uh, you don't need to do that to this man. He's been out for a minute, and now you want to. You don't right. need. If anything, I've taken away from the last couple of months is that the last thing, the the best thing WWE can do to separate themselves from not only AEW but their own bad press is not have the antagonistic announcers. SmackDown's great. Mm. When you have when you have just uh, Michael Cole and uh, uh, McAfee, Ma- McAfee, they're just two dudes talking. Yeah, and I I, I I'll give a mayor copa because when McAfee first came on, I was a little skeptical, man. But like that vibe, like you said, like it sounds like two dudes at a bar watching mm-hmm. wrestling. Like in this, I don't know what bar this is that's airing SmackDown on a Friday. Like what random ass bar in the city is showing SmackDown? <laughs> but they sound like two dudes at a bar watching a wrestling show. Yeah, and I'll take that. I'll take that over trying to undercut always. Mm-hmm. or you know, uh, back when Adnan Verk was there, kind of just making him like he's a fish out of water. It, it's just so much easier when you have people that actually care about each other instead of it being just. Ironically, I think one of the main reasons it doesn't work anymore, like it did back in the days, because we have Twitter. And you mm-hmm. get if you're a wrestling fan and you're on Twitter, you already get the antagonistic relationship. Now you can just get folks that enjoy what you enjoy and can talk about it without being jerks. Yep. And so, like, I, I'm with you, man. Like, I like Goldberg. I think, you know, the run he had, we came back with his kid. Mm-hmm. Like, that was some of the best storytelling WWE's done in a while. I just feel like right now is not the time to insert him into this story and it's funny because I, I think you could service the same reaction of bringing Goldberg back on a different part of the card mm-hmm. but going back to Monday and, and Sid and I did mention Keith Lee like the way they did Keith Lee but also like there was a there was about a good 30 seconds while we were waiting to see who was going to answer Lashley's challenge where I was like hold up is this is this Big E's moment mm-hmm. and I got genuinely excited to see Big E come out there with the briefcase, man. And obviously we didn't get that, but it's like there are options here for telling stories, whether it's Big E or Keith Lee uh, with Bobby Lashley. And I don't know if Goldberg is, is, is the right way to go unless Lashley just pulls a Kofi, like for Money in the Bank, and just decimates Goldberg. And I don't see that happening. I think whoever's going to win, it's going to be another sprint. It's going to be sub-seven minutes. Just them, you know, taking out the, the intros and stuff. Just them kind of going at each other. And to your point in the title of this episode, I thought if they're going to do big, meaty men slapping meat, mm. they were just going to do it with eventually whenever Big E cashes in. That could have been part of his, like, his first defense. Yeah. Give the man would, what he wants. He already give him what he wants. Yeah, because I, I went back and, and rewatched that, uh, that, that episode of the New Day podcast. And my my brother was so excited talking about this dream match with Goldberg, and it's like, yeah, like why why wouldn't you do that? And it doesn't have to be this big feud. Doesn't have to be all this hate involved. Just like, hey, dog, I I, I respected you coming up. I want to test myself. Let let's have a let's have a fight. Yeah, and Goldberg's the type of dude where I feel like he'll be like, I heard you. You're next. Yeah, and Big E is just fired up. It's like you know what. Big meaty men slap. I got it. Let's do it. <laughs> and, you know, he's going to be so excited that you get the natural energy. Like, And that's a win. Like, 
if you already have this podcast that you're advertising and you're saying how popular the new day is and you're saying mm-hmm. all this stuff, why not give the man and I, you know, maybe they will, but I, I think that's what they need to do. Yeah. Like there's a part of me, like, cause again, like we're, and I don't want to say stuck in a negative connotation, but like we're, we're locked into this road to SummerSlam with Lashley mm-hmm. and Goldberg. And like, maybe, like maybe there's a situation, there's a scenario where Big E announces the cash in ahead of time and makes it a triple threat because we've seen that happen in the past and that's how we get to big meaty man slapping meat but but if you go through this whole thing and either Goldberg wins or Lashley wins and there's no interaction with Big E I think that's a that's a missed opportunity man listen I think if if they did it where Goldberg you mentioned this at the very beginning when you had me on if Goldberg wins and does it in like five to seven minutes and Big E cashes in you get both of them, right? You get it both right there. Mm. And if you follow that up, you now have Goldberg who wants a rematch because he he just lost his belt. And you have Lashley who felt like he slipped on a banana peel and he wants some of Biggie. And now you got two feuds, three feuds really for the price of one. Yeah. I I just like what, what we say in Vince, because I know you listen. You listen to everything. Uh, at least your lawyers do. But, mm. but I hope... Like, I just hope that they, that they don't drop the ball with Big E, man. Because this dude's been, like, he's a fresh face in the main event scene, quote-unquote. But it's a dude that's been working for a minute, Rich. A dude that's been grinding. A dude, you know, we talked about it on the NWA podcast. A dude that's been ready to be elevated to that next level. And he's somebody that I feel like resonates with your audience. He's a natural baby face, which is something that they've had a hard time creating. And he's somebody that you could put on tonight's show. That you could put on... Jimmy Kimmel, that you could put on Good Morning America. He's somebody that can resonate to somebody that might be a casual fan or somebody that has no interest in the WWE just because of his personality. I mean, I'm I'm eagerly anticipating Big E showing up to the trial with his money in the bank yes. behind him. <laughs> Let, let's not forget, like Big E has has played a major, vital, intricate role in the story of the week. Mm-hmm. In in the in in the in the feud of the week, ladies and gentlemen, all of this is not possible without that man, Big E. Uh, so I guess, Rich, before we let you go, man, because I know like this has been a crazy day. Like I had two or three other people that were gonna come on, and then CM Punk dropped the bomb on the whole damn day. Uh, so I appreciate your time, man. But before we get out of here, uh, let's end the show where we began the show with me and Sid, and that's talking about the NBA Finals, where we saw. The Bucks come back from an 0-2 deficit and claim that Larry O'Brien trophy in, in, a, in a bittersweet moment for me because I was happy for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, shout out to Black Greek excellence. But I was, I was perturbed, Rich, that now we have to say NBA champion coach Mike Budenholzer, the booty man, the, 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 the epitome of, of average is now an NBA championship coach. What did you think of the series? And, uh, you know, Giannis finally uh, kind of fulfilling that that destiny that Kobe Bryant put upon him so many years ago. I, I thought it was awesome. I mean, I was already down just as, uh, you know, my buddies like Deep Palm was over at the MTR Report, a movie trailer reviews sh- uh, site, mm. giving him a hard time because he was a uh, uh, Atlanta Hawks fan that was giving me a hard time as a Knicks fan. So I just went, <laughs> I hopped on the petty train and I was all about the Bucks. Uh, Giannis, I, I think he just was magnificent. I mean, I've never seen someone like it, it's going to be somewhere up there with the 
the flu game, but it's a series. Dude mm. played on a knee where most people would have been like, I'm good. And just that final game, I was like, yeah. listen, bro, you take a minute, maybe two minutes, but you got to play most of this game. You got to play 46. You got to play 45. And he, he, that's about what he did. Mm. And we got 50 points doing it. 50 yeah. points, over 10 rebounds, five blocks. 15, and it wasn't or like 19 from the line. Yeah, it, it wasn't like uh, you know, and Sid, you know, said this earlier, and I vehemently disagreed. Like, it wasn't like the Suns choked, man. Like mm -hmm. all of these games, or most of these games went down to the wire, could have gone either way. And so, like, the Suns did not lose the series, in my opinion, Rich. Like, Milwaukee came out there and won the damn thing. Yeah, and when you look at the teammates, when you look at his team around him, between Middleton and uh Holiday, yeah. they had in that last uh, game. It was Giannis and everybody else. It was, you know, I even joked on Twitter when Middleton missed a really easy shot instead of just passing. It's like this is the pass the ball to will portion of the game, Chris. <laughs> and then and then he hit the shot, the jumper coming down the line because they had what is it, almost twenty turnovers. So yeah. this wasn't a game twenty to eleven or twelve on the part of Phoenix. So this isn't a game where Phoenix just had like twenty two, twenty three turnovers. They're bricking. No, like you said, this was down to the wire. And this was really, as much as I talked about the offensive efficiency, uh, a declarative statement of how awesome on defense that team was. Yeah. Like people sleep on, and we talked about it earlier, people sleep on that Drew Holiday signing. Mm -hmm. Because, like, Drew Holiday is somebody that's been underrated for most of his career. Mm -hmm. He's He's simultaneously underrated and I think maybe a bit overpaid, but... You know, you, you you get what you pay for, and they got a championship. So I, I don't think Milwaukee is is uh, wringing hands about that investment. But, like, this is a dude that's been one of the better two-way players at his position for a minute now, uh, particularly when you talk about the defensive end of the game, which a lot of people don't bring up, you know, when they're talking about top players in the league. And so I feel like bringing him onto the team added an element that was missing, particularly once they let Malcolm Brogdon go. Like, there's an element of defensive toughness and stability that Drew brought to the team. And then, like you said, man, Giannis was playing out of his mind. Like, he he earned it. Like, for everybody two or three years ago that was like, oh, he he better than LeBron, he better than LeBron. Like, I thought that was ridiculous at the time. I still think it's ridiculous now. But now he's in the conversation. Like, mm -hmm. in terms of the best guy out there right now. It's LeBron, it's Giannis, it's KD, it's Kawhi when he feels like playing. It's... <laughs> Luca, perhaps, uh, but you know, like I think this was a big win for Giannis because had he lost this this finals, Rich, it would have been the type of thing that could follow him for his career. Like if he doesn't get back to this point, because like we've seen, like how people dog Charles Barkley. Like Charles Barkley's one of the greatest players ever. How people dog Patrick Ewan. And if Giannis doesn't get this ring, I feel like they would they would talk about Giannis in the same category where right? he's great, but did he do it when it counted? Yeah. And you look at him and his brothers and all three of them now yes. NBA champions and how he was just so you saw him looking at Chris Middleton after they won and just, you know, crying and just absolutely in love with the fact that they made the commitment to stay in Milwaukee. Mm. They didn't have to get the as much as people jump on Durant, they didn't have to get the Durant asterisk. I saw some people on Twitter putting the asterisk up because of injuries, but you'd have to put that up. You can't put that up on them and not put it up on every other team that's happened yep. has happened to like exactly. it's not like the Suns 
were in, in any particular place where they had to play, mm-hmm. you know, a team that was injured. That's that's sports. You, you're always yeah. going to get it. Like, I, one of those championships, like people talked for years about the Warriors being the greatest team they've ever seen. One of those championships was against the team where LeBron James' second-blessed player was Matthew Dellavedova. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, like I, like I heard it last year with the Lakers in the bubble. It's like you play the games, Rich, to your point, in – the circumstances that they're played in. You you can't, you know, snap your fingers and make everybody healthy. This is not a video game. So you you play who's available. And as much as I was rooting personally for Chris Paul to get a chip, like you can't say that the, the Bucks didn't earn this thing or or want to put an asterisk next to it. Yeah. I mean, you look at uh, on the football side of things, the Washington football team, out of their three Super Bowls, I want to say two of them were strike short in years. Mm-hmm. And the Raiders, same thing. They won – Two of their three during the strikes, and you know, though it happens. What, what are you going to do? Not play if you're not going. If you're going to play, and you're yeah. going to pay for a championship, and you win the championship. There shouldn't be a complaint. And so, I think with this year, you know, people were saying, you know, if if KD's foot, you know, if his shoes were like a size smaller, <laughs> I was like, okay. But if you know, if, if at this point, uh, Giannis get tries to get too cute on the dunk. And instead of the inbounds dunk alley oop working to win the game, yeah. he rims it like we saw during this game. Yep. Then, then what are we saying? You know, then it's going to be those. <laughs> if if Trey Young, not to bring up America's team, the Atlanta Hawks again, if Trey Young has somebody that can score buckets when he was on the bench, who knows where they would be? Because you right. can't depend on Red Velvet for everything. Right. And then you look at you know to your second part of your question with Coach Bud. I I always joke he's uh Pete from the uh, X Force from Deadpool two. Like he just shows up and he's like, "What's his power?" He's like, "It's just he's just there, like just sitting that regular dude." Like, okay, I just I like some like he is uh you know I, I can't remember the dude on Twitter said he always looks like somebody yeah. who went to Vegas and bet on a card game he has limited knowledge on. Yes, and bet just way too like, much on a game he doesn't much. understand. Yeah, he's just like. So what do you mean? This is uh, okay, I guess. And, but God bless him. Uh, I saw like, Bomani Jones mentioned on this Twitter. man was like three weeks away from getting fired. He really like, was. That's how crazy it was. And now he's he's a champion for life, man. He, he made the he made the very simple thing that I think a lot of coaches uh, make the mistake of in a situation like this. He got out of his own way. Mm. Like there were a lot of times during this C, C series where he made uh, rotation adjustments that weren't like genius plays. It was just move guys in that fit and, you know, use Giannis more. That was the biggest complaint in the first couple of rounds. Giannis, they were stuck in this. This is what we did in the regular season. So this is how we're going to rotate Giannis. This is how we're going to rotate Middleton. And it, the, the way you saw it evolve, especially with Portis and how Portis basically was suplexing dudes and just handling his business. Like he reminded me so much of like a Marcus Camby type on the Knicks where he was going to make you pay for everything you did. And you need that guy. You need that intimidator. You need Mm. that dude who can drop shots. And then you tag, tag in the rest of the guys doing what they were doing. I I think coach Bud, he he got enough that, you know, out of the four coaches that were left in the, the, the conference finals, he was probably the least quote unquote talented. Mm. But he was also surrounded by the players who did the most to kind of honestly support the lack of talent of the coach. Like they did what they had to do. There were yeah. so many times during this series where Bud could have called the timeout and killed their momentum, even when they were fighting their way through. And he just stayed back 
and just let it happen. <laughs> he's like, you yeah, got he was, he was like, he wasn't like ass mad. He was ass Giannis. Yo, he, it's, it's funny, man. Cause again, you know, shout out to booting hoes, AKA the booty man, you know, whatever. He got a tip. He got a tip. I'm, I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm not mad as a, as a, as a Hawks fan. He, he <laughs> couldn't deliver the same thing for us. Uh, what about but, Teague? How are you feeling about Teague? I'm not mad at Teague, man. Like, here's the thing. Like, there's there's very few former Hawks that I'm mad at, man. Like, John Conkak is one of them. Like, like I think most of the Hawks I'm mad at were during that weird phase where, like, the not only were the uniforms bad, like, I think it was when we started accentuating the blue in the mm-hmm. uniforms, like, uh, mid-'90s. Not mid-'90s, like, uh, uh, early to mid-2000s. Right. Like, those – that era of Hawks where it was just you could tell people they're just getting the check and going to the to the gold club. Yeah. Like that's all they was there for. Uh but no man, like I'm like this Hawks team I was really proud of because they they had no business beating the Knicks. They had no business really beating uh the Sixers. So like the fact they even got that far I was I was happy with. Uh next year's gonna be real interesting though. Cause I th- and I think this is where we can kind of wrap up the NBA talk rich like I don't know if if we if we just witnessed the start of a dynasty with Milwaukee, and I, I say that because there's way too many variables out there. Like, what happens with LA? Do they make a move to reload? What happens with the Nets if they're all healthy? They're the odds-on favorite in the East. What happens with the Hawks? Like, if the Hawks, to me, if the Hawks go out and get somebody like a Bradley Beal mm-hmm. and put them alongside Trey, that's a problem. Uh, you know what's what's going to happen with the Nuggets? Can the Nuggets come back? Can the the Suns bounce back? Can the Jazz bounce back? What what's going on with the Clippers? Like I feel like there's a lot of variables out there which would make it a lot tougher for Milwaukee to repeat. Like not taking anything away from them, Rich. But if I had to put down money right now, I'd I'd take the field over the Bucks. I think that's fair, and I think looking at some of those guys you mentioned, and then we still got the question of what's going to go on with the Trailblazers. Are they going to really just mm. shut this puppy down? Because if they're selling off everybody, that could become an issue because then you got to look at, you know, like you mentioned Bradley Bill, you got to look at who's going to make the trade. Right. That's like who who's going to be dumb enough to get the Lakers their point guard? Because that's really what LeBron's going to be playing for yep. in, in the next year. Like who is going to be that point guard for him? And if the Blazers are dumb enough to do it, I think I think all of us are going to have an issue. And then on the eastern side with the Bucks, like you said, but, but I, I still see and say until further notice the Nets uh, looking at what's going on with the the. You know, I thought the best thing they did was retain the coach with the Hawks because I think uh, from the time he took over, they basically were the third seed, and that's kind of an indictment on your former coach more so mm-hmm. than uh, as much as I'm, I would say not as more so as much as a. Uh, a praise of how talented he is as a coach. Uh, are you talking about the esteemed uh, assistant coach of the U.S. national team, Lloyd Pierce? I mean, I mean, he might need to become the esteemed head coach. I think Pop might need to. I mean, he might need to become an interim again and just oh, take care of business. I feel like Pop, like Pop, is somebody. You know, going to the analogy like with, with Budenholzer, Pop is some looks like feels like somebody with this national team that like a year ago signed on to buy a house and they're like oh man this house is great like it's beautiful it's spacious but in that year's time like the neighborhood's gone down that the 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 foundation of the house is starting to rot a little bit 
And so he shows up and he's like, I, I bought this house. I don't really want to be here. So I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm just going to wait this out until my, until my lease is up. And like, I don't, cause I don't, I don't feel like pop even wants to be there, man. And honestly, I can't blame him because as much as I love the Olympics, you couldn't pay me to be in Tokyo right now, brother. Like it's, it's wild. That's the thing I'm waiting for pop's first interview where he talks about them still having the Olympics. Yeah. And it's like, cause right now you're going to have a crazy awkward flight. Like we didn't even talk about that where you're going to have a, a booker on a flight with two of the bucks Heading mm. to Japan, and they're probably still going to barely like have the stank of the the champagne off them, <laughs> and they're on the flight. It's like, all right, let's do it, Team USA, right? <laughs> and Book just going to have to be he going to have to be mellow what he was a uh, 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 hoodie mellow back in the Olympics a couple of years. <laughs> he's going to have to tune that out. Like he going he going to have to go to another level. Yeah, man. Like it, it's going to be it's going to be crazy. It's going to be wild. Uh, but yeah, like I. I think where we're in things this week, Rich, is uh, is is a little game of what's more likely to happen. I'm gonna give you two scenarios: one from the NBA, and one from the world of professional wrestling. And you tell me what's more likely to happen. So, scenario number one: Chris Paul finally makes at least two fourths of the banana boat boys of reality and joins LeBron in LA. That's scenario one. Scenario two, Bill Goldberg wins the world title at SummerSlam, which, which is more likely to happen, brother. I think the boat boys, I think the boat boys, mm. and, and they might even do a guest spot on the box with, uh, with with Dwayne just to kind of like make it make it official, like and announce it there. It'll say what like what's Melo doing? Like can Melo s- sign a veterans minimum? I mean, he might need to. I mean, they, they, at this point, might as well, might as well. Like at this point, LeBron <laughs> needs to get as many dudes as he can till Bronny gets there and helps him get over the top, <laughs> and they have the father son championship. That hold on, hold on. So what you saying, Rich? Hold on. If I'm if I'm hearing you right, brother is the Lakers right now are the inverse of Space Jam A New Legacy. Because in Space Jam A New Legacy, LeBron had to get into the game to save his son. Mm-hmm. What you saying for the Los Angeles Lakers is that Bronny needs to get into the game to save his daddy and get him some more rings. Yep. And then that way he could, if anything, I think Bronny, because I don't know what Bronny's number is, but I know LeBron went back to six, right? Yeah, what Bronny needs to do is coming back at forward forty-five, coming in, in the draft at forty-five, win the championship with his dad, and say Jordan ain't do that. <laughs> uh, it's, it all comes back to Jordan. It, all it always comes back does. To it, all, it always comes back, and then then you gotta have people on like first take. Like, well, if Jordan's kids were able, it's like I saw Space Jam. His kids could have done it too, but he didn't do it. His his daughter could have become a coach. They could have got some father's father daughter coaching, you know. They could have done something. I don't know. Yeah. It, 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 like they'll find any way. They'll find any way. Skip will find any way to bang on LeBron. Like LeBron can say the man from a burning car. Like, well, here's the thing: Jordan would have done it quicker, and he would have put the fire out and lowered my insurance. Yeah. See, I for LeBron, he is. 
Uh, LeBron is the Spider-Man as Skip Bayless <laughs> is the J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, he's basically like LeBron James, menace or greater menace. Like he doesn't yeah. even say hero or menace. He's just like, we're starting with menace. I need more pictures of LeBron. Uh, so yeah, I guess real quick because I know you, I know you're an MCU fan. Recently did a turn on uh, MCU later with our with our good friends Wei Ting and WH Park over at Post Wrestling. Did you happen to catch Black Widow, brother? I did. I did. Okay, so anybody watching or listening in the future on the podcast, spoilers for the next minute or so for Black Widow if you haven't seen it on Disney Plus. What'd you think of of Black Widow? Because because I have thoughts, Rich. Okay. I thought it, I actually been watching it like I, I did the uh, early access because around here I can't trust too many people with the movies yet. So <laughs> I, I just figured like, let me let me just do this at home and I got my, mm-hmm. my, my speaker set. Um, I enjoyed it overall. I thought that she did a good job. I think Feige did a live watch a couple of days ago on Twitter. Yeah. I, I think she did a good job as a producer. We just talked about LeBron. She was the point guard for that movie. She essentially, anytime she got a chance, she posed up, got the ball to somebody else. And mm-hmm. so now you got all the stuff going on with Elena. You got the Red Guardian. You got uh, Rachel Vice, who basically is a Highlander. And she could have been Black <laughs> Widow like 10 years ago. And she would look the exact same. And people yeah. would be like, was this a prequel? Or does Rachel Vice just look the, it's like, listen, I don't know what she does, but that woman does not age. I don't, I, it's, it, she's a ninja. I know there was a lot of folks, and I, I can't wait to hear you talking about it, Nate, who had issues with um, the trail of Taskmaster. But I think mm. in terms of what they've done the last couple of years, Crossbones in particular, they've been with some of the C and B. No offense to them, but I you know, I get more enjoyment out of Taskmaster when he was doing uh, – uh, not Taskmaster. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, Taskmaster. I got more enjoyment out of Taskmaster during the Ant-Man run in the comics when he was doing Hench, basically – and then mm-hmm. his own solo series. Uh, but I, 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 you know, I don't want to be too spoily because I think that was a really good uh, kind of, I wouldn't say really, it was an interesting twist and, yeah. and how they portrayed it. And I, I didn't mind it. I, I, I know some people were like, this is just, I'm on, I'm on burn Marvel down. Yeah. I was like, you got it. I was like, for every first, first you gave us black Kang. Now you gave us this. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, my God, people lost. It was like, listen, I support black-owned businesses. The TVA, to me, needs a, a couple of PPP loans, and I just yep. honestly need, you know, need them to just get back on their feet because I, I really don't appreciate Sylvie's, uh, 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 you know, turning into a Karen at the end of that series. Like, I just didn't appreciate that. I need so, to speak with, to the manager of time. Yeah, I need to, yeah, I need to speak to the time manager. <laughs> I do not feel served. Like that was just too much for me. And so when you flip the Black Widow, I, I think uh, as they go through with the next iteration, whatever phase four is, mm-hmm. Yelena's going to be fun. I think she is probably one of the biggest gets they've gotten in terms of an actor in this next crew because she is hilarious. She can yeah. be dark. I mean, my wife saw it and she was like, isn't that the girl from uh, Midsummer?" I was like, yep. Yep, and bringing it back to wrestling, former WWE Films alumni fighting yep. with a family. So, like, I'll start with the good, Rich, because I, I I watched it overall. I thought it was a it was a solid film. Like, I had fun with it in most parts. Like the family, everything involving the family was perfect. Like, I love like Yelena is awesome, and, and the fact that we're gonna get to have adventures with Elena going Yelena going forward, I think that's gonna be fun. Uh, your, your man's David Harbor. 
every scene he was in like was 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 hilarious uh, as Red Guardian like uh Rachel Wise like you said like everything involving the family just worked for me like I would watch an American style Disney Plus series just focused on them cuz mm-hmm. that like that dynamic was just so great uh what I I think what didn't work as well for me is you know you brought up Taskmaster and it's not so much what they did with Taskmaster specifically, it's just I felt all the villains, like the two main villains we had, felt a bit underdeveloped. Like they almost felt like villains from an earlier phase because we didn't, like I, I see what they were trying to go for, but I never once, like they, they're not Thanos, they're not Killmonger, where you're like, this villain is compelling to me, right? Yeah. Uh, like, and, and in particular, I'm talking about the dude. Like, I forget his name. That's oh, Drakeoff. Well, Drakeoff like, Drake is one of those things where that was a payoff from Avengers. He's like, yeah. you know, because that low key, like Drakeoff stuff. I really like the way that they like brought that up because it's like, thank you for your co- cooperation. Like, he's trying to get the Hulk. Like that, that, yep. that, that's one of those little things. But like you said, he was just. If this was an Agents of Shield episode, my man would be forgotten by the next week. Yeah, like he he felt he felt very much like. And I've seen some people say it this way, and I wouldn't go this far, but he felt like a Bond villain. Uh, but I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far, Rich, but I do feel like he felt Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a perfect comparison. Like, he would have been like a, a season-long Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. villain. Mm-hmm. And once we got through with that season, ain't nobody talking about Drakeoff no more because he just didn't, to me, he didn't, like, meet the moment of the movie, I think. You know, mm-hmm. given that this is... Uh, Natasha's send off and her farewell. Like I felt like there was a way to do the story, maybe that had more with her and Taskmaster. Because I, I did like how they attached her to the character, but mm-hmm. they didn't. Like I felt like they could have done more. So like the villains didn't really work for me, but everything with the family worked, and I liked. And then this ties back to Falcon the Winter Soldier. Like I loved how Falcon the Winter Soldier talked about race even if they didn't quite stick the landing at times the fact that they brought it up is progress for marvel and same with black widow like bringing up you know these girls that have been trafficked and commodified and like forgotten by quote unquote you know gentle society and they're you know bought and sold and turned into these weapons like i think the 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 widows like that story has potential uh but it it felt like it was a good film, Rich. I right now I've kind of like I gotta watch it again, but right now I've kind of got it like in that mid tier. Like it's a, it's like the IC title of Marvel movies right now. Like it ain't it ain't in the main event, but it's not bad. Yeah, no, is it? And I think that was the purpose of it. I think it's it's one of those things. That when you put it the way you're talking about it, I think of it as, and I hate using, I don't want to use poor man's because that's a disservice. Mm. But I think it's a I, it's a variant. I'll, I'll, I'll go back there, to the there time. You go. It's a variant of Captain America's uh, Winter Soldier movie because yeah. your Winter Soldier now is Taskmaster. You have the the buds of, you know, that's what we learned a little bit more about Natasha in that movie. So we learned mm-hmm. about Yelena and the rest of the family. And as we go through, like you said, the widows are going to be fun to see how they develop. And then also, you know, again, thanks for the spoiler warning. We get to see the creation eventually either of if they're going to call them the Dark Avengers, the Thunderbolt. Yep. I don't care. But we got evil Nick Fury variant <laughs> just out there just being the dirt worst and I love her. 
She disrespecting is, people's memories and <laughs> and then just like, oh hey, you want to find out who did this? Boop. Like there you I was like, now that is a stretch, first of all, to blame that person for what happened. Like right. that is that is <laughs> that is evil, ma'am. <laughs> S S S S like uh S like blaming your guy for the Suns losing, man. Like uh uh damn, I'm blanking on my man, coach. Oh, 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 um, I can't remember the coach name right now. It just left me. <laughs> yeah, because so they uh they posted something online earlier last or later last night, like when he actually went to go talk to the Bucks. I was like, that's that's a stand-up dude right there. Yeah. Uh damn. And I don't trust this phone, so I can't go try to search. I know, look. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. All right. So what we're gonna do is, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna toss the ball to Rich. Uh, that's, that's our Black Widow thoughts. Like overall, like if you're a fan of Marvel, I'd say check it out. Like it, it, it. Mm-hmm. Like and I think it resonates differently for different people. Like I've heard, like my sister had loved that movie. Like she loved it. And I think, like if you are a woman, like it might hit. A little different for you, like like I think Black Panther probably hit different for you and me than it did for Mike Budenholzer when Mike Budenholzer watched it. Uh, you know, he, he can't know. just Coach Coach Booty Man could have been crying in that corner saying "What kind of forever?" <laughs> you, know, you don't know Nate, you don't know. <laughs> uh, but before we get out of here, man, I appreciate you hopping on for a bit, Rich. Where can the people find you? Tell them about all the good work that you're doing, man, with with Pro Wrestling Torch and beyond, brother. Yeah, sure. So if you want to find me on Twitter, it's Rich underscore fan, F-A-N-N. My audio usually is housed on the torch, but as Brother Nate mentioned, I I bounce around. Have have Mike will travel. And so I I, I try to do appearances at post. I try to anywhere Nate's at, I'm going to try to be at. Um, Who all going to be there? They say, Nate, I'm there. Um, And and in terms of the torch, if you search on torch, I have a couple of shows. I do the deep dive, which is a weekly jump into any subject this week. I'm going to look at the concessionaires must die movie with uh, my man, John Keating and uh, Sam uh, who uh, were the writer and stars of the movie. And those guys are big wrestling fans. They've been on my show several times. And so to celebrate my uh, fourth year of having that show, I'm going to have those guys on. And uh, I also have a show. I just started on the VIP side of things similar to, with posts where you go on the uh, Patreon, you go mm-hmm. VIP for a couple of bucks a month. You get uh, my show, the, the uh, Everything with Rich Fan, where I'll be on with Wade Keller, our editor publisher, talking about the news of the day. We'll be talking CM Punk. We'll be talking Brian Danielson. We'll be talking all sorts of stuff. And then we also do a show uh, within that show called Off the Beaten Path, where I uh, fans and listeners send in uh, videos or matches that they want us to cover mm-hmm. that are kind of not necessarily – uh, I, I don't like I, I like off the beaten path as the phrase because it used it's things that people might not necessarily expect Wade to watch. So I got him in the Trisha Dora. I got mm-hmm. Wade into uh, some of the weirder stuff with New Japan or New Japan's uh, Minoru Suzuki wrestling Mecha Mummy, uh, looking at old AWA stuff, th- things like that. And then of course uh, where I started uh, every Wednesday the East Coast cast uh, with Travis Bryant, Cam Hawkins, uh, Cam of the trial of Cam Hawkins. <laughs> the, the, the liberated Cam yeah. Hawkins. Yeah. Hashtag liberated. Hashtag not guilty. Seahawk. Uh, <laughs> him and Travis will do the free portion this evening. And then the VIP myself and Travis will answer emails, talk a lot about books we're listening to. And of course, argue about the MCU because Travis absolutely hates the idea of time travel in comics. He loves it as a science fiction conceit. So when I told him about what Kang could be, and then mm. I was justified in, what he is, 
he was like, all right, I guess I got to deal with it. And so that that's what I got. And so thank you for that time. And thank you all for listening to me blather on about the stuff I did. <laughs> No problem, brother. Always good to catch up with Rich Fan. Like, like Rich Fan, for those that don't know, like, this is a stand-up brother, man. Like, some would say he's the Monty Williams of pro wrestling journalism. Ah, there we go. We, like we, we brought Monty Williams back around because I was blanking on the brother's name. But, yeah, we appreciate you hopping on for a bit, Rich. Uh, a lot of stuff going on in the world of sports and pro wrestling. If you want to hear more from me, at in the number eight, M-O-Z-A-I-K, Nate Mosaic on Twitter. I was recently a part of uh, Martin Bushby's uh, charity 12 hour live stream that, that uh, uh, he was raising money for a good cause. And I think he's got it posted in one secure location now, but you can, you can check that out. Uh, Martin and the British wrestling experience crew doing good work, him and Benno. Uh, you can check out the Kings of sport. We've got a Patreon, patreon.com backslash Kings of sport. Five bucks gets you in the door. If you want to pay more, we won't stop you uh, over 200 hours of audio and video content, sports, pro wrestling politics mcu reviews that's up there on the patreon uh post wrestling is where you can find the newbie and wrestling advocates which rich fan was on the first edition of the post wrestling era uh along with chris and myself and uh, andrew thompson and sister maria uh, the most recent episode is up where chris and i interviewed prince nana of roh and uh that is a, a wild wild conversation that i encourage everybody to check out at post wrestling uh I got the Naomi podcast over at DC TV podcast coming out eventually with, with Brittany Monet, uh, where we're going to be covering the Naomi series on the CW. Uh, so I got a lot going on main event over place to be nation, a couple shows here and there. Uh, but for the most part, check me out at in the number eight M O Z A I K at Nate mosaic on Twitter for all of that. So, uh, Rich, appreciate having you on. Uh, appreciate having sit on earlier. Like this is, like I said, the next five weeks, and you missed this, Rich, because you you wasn't in the green room when we were talking about this. This is episode two ninety five, entitled "Big Meaty Man Slapping Meat." For the next five episodes since the departure of Marcus, we're just gonna kind of talk to some of our friends out there and and you know figure out what the next chapter of the Kings of Sport is gonna be. And then in episode three hundred, like that's gonna be the official relaunch of the Kings of Sport podcast. So uh, the next five episodes or four episodes now that, that this was in, in the books. Uh, we're just going to kind of have fun and, and talk to uh, people you've heard before on this show and maybe some new voices uh, that, that uh, I'm sure we'll have lots of interesting content to bring to the table. And then episode 300, it's going to be like uh like we start a new phase in Marvel rich. So we, who knows what's going to happen then, but, but much like the TVA, whatever happens, the Kings of sport is going to remain a black owned business brother. Oh, well, that's good. As long as you got the support, you got my money. Look, look, here's the thing. Caveat, caveat. If if some testosterone pill company out there wants to wants to buy my services, buy this voice, I'm not above. I'm I'm not too proud to accept that check, Rich fan. Hey, you got to get it. You could be like my man, Jeff. Jeff, everywhere he goes, he got that uh, Manscaped ad on lock. <laughs> Look, all of it. Manscaped, testosterone pills, uh, uh blue apron, <laughs> all of that, all of that. If, if you need me to sell it, I will sell it. As, as Jeff Jarrett once said, I didn't sell out, I bought in. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's that's gonna do it for the Kings of Sport this week. Shout out to everybody watching live. Uh, and shout out to everybody listening in the future on the podcast version of the program. Again, want to give big ups to both. Sid, a.k.a. SP3, and Brother Rich Fan for coming through and, and discussing the NBA Finals as well as 
the breaking news, so to speak, about where CM Punk and, and Daniel Bryan might land next. So uh, we'll, we'll definitely be talking more wrestling in the future and uh, more NBA because I'm excited for this offseason to see where, where all these moving chairs land, Rich. Oh, yeah, that's going to be fun, especially, like you said, if, if the banana boat getting together, that's just, <laughs> you know, we got we got, we got got uh, so much going on there. And like I said, Portland, it's, it's just going to be wild. Absolutely. So, uh, uh, so that's going to do it. We're going to get out of here. For Rich Fan, for SP3, I am the guy, Father Nate Milton. This is a gag that only works if you're watching live. So if you're listening in the future, you missed it. It's clobbering time. Because you've been down with the king. Well, that's all for this week's edition of the Kings of Sport. Be sure to come back next week for an all-new episode. You can leave feedback for the show on Twitter at KOS underscore POD or via Gmail at thekingsofsport at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and rate us on iTunes and tell a friend. The Kings of Sport is a production of the Mosaic Podcast Network. Whether you like it or not, he's bad. Let me tell you something, Mean Gene. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to leave it all on the mat. Because that's what I do when I get it done so I can do it. Yeah! What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Thanks for the footlong, IRL Marshawn. No problem, Tiny Virtual Marshawn.